0: S is in Sam, I-E-H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mama had me learn it. So go check it out. And if you haven't heard me say it in a while, I appreciate you listening, my friend. And now on with the episode. Hello folks, Jeff C here. So glad you tuned in for this week's incredible episode of Social Media News Live. But before we dive in, we've got some exciting news for you. First off, the sun is out, and so is Ecamm's sizzling summer sale. If you've been thinking about boosting your live streaming game, now is the perfect time. Ecamm Live is offering a fantastic 30% off your first payment on any plan, monthly or annual, to all new customers. So get your hands on this industry-leading software and upgrade your live streaming experience. Head over to socialmedianewslive.com forward slash eCam to find out more. That's socialmedianewslive.com forward slash e c a m. M. And for all you creators out there, we've got some more good news. The highly requested Descript course will be opening up soon. If you've been hunting for a seamless way to edit and repurpose your podcasts and videos, this is your chance. This training will help you master Descript, an exceptional AI-based tool, making your content creation process easier and more effective than ever. Head on over to jeffc.com forward slash Descript 101 to sign up to get notified for the course launch. That's Jeff, S as in Sam, I E H com forward slash D E S C R I P T 101. Don't miss out on these opportunities to level up your content game. And now without further ado, on with the show. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media, industry experts, innovators, creators, creators storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and things. tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Hello, folks. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C., and you're not.
1: And this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media and more.
0: Have you ever wondered how creativity and technology can come together to create something truly unique? Are you intrigued by the possibilities of AI in art and design? Or maybe you're interested in how Passion for Running and Disney can inspire a creative project? If those questions spark your curiosity, then you're in for an exciting episode today. We're absolutely delighted to introduce a guest who has Beautifully blended these elements together. She's a creative powerhouse who turned her love for running Disney and art into fascinating coloring book project. Lisa donato Glassner is here, also known as the Castle Runner. She's going to be sharing her journey, her insights, and her top tips for harnessing technology in creative projects. So get comfortable, uh, light a candle, and prepare for a, an episode brimming with creativity, innovation, and inspiration. So let's dive into the magical world of art and AI with Lisa. Lisa, how are you doing today?
2: I'm um, great. I'm so excited to be here with you two today.
0: Yeah. And go back and listen. To, we've had Lisa on before talking about Instagram because she just kills it over there. But if you don't know Lisa, let me introduce you because she's got a, such a great story. She's graduated from Columbia University in 1999 and Harvard Law in 2004 before moving on to a big law career in mergers and acquisitions on Wall Street, where she lived an incredibly successful life on paper. That felt pretty empty in reality. In 12 years, a marriage, two babies, several moves, and approximately 36,000 hours of work later, she said enough was enough and escaped with only the vague hope of reconnecting with whatever it was that she really was passionate about. Since then, she relocated to Walt Disney World and spent the years since running countless, countless miles, teaching herself photography and videography, Mothering her two boys, creating core memory candles, which is excellent, by the way, and documenting it all on her site, thecastlerun.com. And her Instagram, at thecastlerunner, where she hopes that you, too, may be inspired to create your own little pocket of joy in the world. Lisa, once again, so awesome that you're here.
2: I'm so excited! This is one of my favorite topics and two of my favorite people. So, what could well, go There
0: on? we go! Yeah, and, I want, and, if you, and Lauren has been a guest, and all she's been a co-host. So, Lauren Gaggioli, holy guacamole! Lauren Gaggioli <laughs> is here. Um, I am so excited to have you back on, uh, helping me out with this thing. So, thanks for joining Well, I am this.
1: thrilled to be here because I am so looking forward to learning more. I love the intersection of art and AI in theory and i want to learn how you're how you're leveraging at least like there's a I, lot we learned here
0: yeah and i never would like when she dropped this in the the hub mastermind group yeah. i was like what i didn't even know she was interested in this kind of stuff it was just like <laughs> this is cool so it's very very cool i couldn't uh, uh wait to have her on the show i want to get some oh lou's coming lou is coming at you it's from both sides <laughs> oh my gosh here we go you know what else is coming at you from both sides our friends over at Ecamm. That's right. They are sponsoring this show. Uh, they are amazing. They're what makes this show possible. Lou actually uses them as well. I wanted to tell you guys about a new show that's going on right now. They just relaunched uh, Demo Modes Pro with Alessio who is actually going to come on the show next month and talk about that. But some great stuff. They launch new shows every week on, uh, e- on uh, YouTube. So make sure you go to YouTube.com forward slash at Ecamm Live. You can find them there and check out this new show because it is amazing. Uh, what else is amazing is, again, our show today. And we've got uh, Ian saying, it is a confusing world we live in. Maybe you should ask GPT. Well, um, we're going uh, to. We're going to. So, and Lou continues what? to heckle from the back. So let's talk about this thing, this AI thing, because I, I, it really did blow me away, Lisa, that when I saw you, like, I, yeah, I made a coloring book with AI and it's doing fine. You know, so let's talk about inspiration and motivation like why in the world, you know, what inspired you to create a coloring book? And was there like a particular moment like you were just like you had you're making your candles and you went, "You know what? I need a coloring book to go with these candles." <laughs> I mean, how did how did this happen?
2: Not at all. It was actually a far more organic process than that. I was, you know, going sort of down the rabbit hole with AI and different projects and just experimenting with it and just kind of following my curiosity as I'm want to do um it's the same way the candles came to be i have the core memory candles which is a line of disney inspired candle scents, um, and they also sort of came to be from following my curiosity Um, and that's how this that's how this came to be as well just sort of this really really interesting obviously we'll delve into how it plays out more but this really interesting intersection of technology and ai and the world of where that is today and bringing in sort of some art and um other aspects of things that appeal to me like being present in the moments and med- being meditative and self-care and that kind of thing. They all sort of came together in this in a similar way that they came together in running for me.
0: Mm. So now, Lauren, you're going to have to jump in because I will yeah. ask all the questions. You, you
1: keep going. You keep going. I'm here to just like.
0: OK, support. so um, <laughs> I don't know. Also, and I quit. There we go. Oh, my computer was being slow. Um, so um, the question I want to ask is like, OK, you, you just mentioned your passion for Disney and running kind mm-hmm. of influenced this so how because it's not a disney book no it's, it's not a disney but, but how world. did how did it like how did it tie in
2: so i think the best way to explain this is to kind of take it back to a conversation i had with my career counselor in law school because um, I think it's, it's a conversation that stuck with me for the rest of my life. And I was sitting with her, I, I went to Harvard Law, and one of the great things that came with that is the ability to have access to the incredible counselors and people that, that work with you when you're there. Um, so I was sitting with a career counselor at Harvard um, a year or two into my legal education, and I was really loving intellectual property at that point. And I remember sitting with the career counselor and saying that I loved this school of thought and law. And she said to me, It might not be the specific school of thought that you're interested in but what it's feeding you sort of um collaterally um and the example that she gave was you might think that you love mexican food but you might just need the salt um and so (laughs) I, i i think that that has sort of like i've carried that with me in some way shape or form like for the rest of my life since and just sort of being aware and giving myself permission to do things that like might seem a little bit strange or out of character or off-brand, acknowledging that it might not be the fact that like I wanted to make a coloring book my whole life, but that in this moment, it was a very lovely expression of, Both the creative aspect of it and the fact that it feeds mindfulness and it's good for self-care and it's a good way for me to connect with my children. And these are all things that I can say I can say about running as well. Very different, obviously, than creating an adult coloring book or using an adult coloring book. But the sort of idea of presence and mindfulness and creativity that can come through in this the way that they can come through in other things, I think, is sort of how they all end up coming to be.
0: Mm. So, I lo- I mean, I love I love chatting about creativity um, because that, I mean, is super important. Um, but one of the things that um, I wanted to you know, kind of focus on, you mentioned your, your guidance counselor saying, like, okay, maybe you just like the salt. I know for Lou, he loves sushi just for the sake. Um, but, uh, and so does Lauren. <laughs> so, let's dive into this creativity thing because, you know, i I'm, I come from the belief that I think everybody is creative in their own way, and a lot of people think they're not because I think they've been told when they were younger you're not you know, you're not very creative or you know your sister's more creative than you are, and kind of maybe you've been told that throughout the years but how do you foster creative creativity like how did you i mean it, it, you are very mindful of okay I'm going to follow this path. And a lot of people say, well, I can't really follow a path because that's not my niche or that, you know, or whatever, because this is like, you know, how does it tie into candles or tie into your Instagram? You know, all that stuff. It seems like a out of left field, but you're like you dove into it because I'm just going to follow, you know, where this leads me.
2: I think it all just comes together naturally. I think if like. I'm using a lot of metaphors today, but like when I decorate my house, I'm not thinking like this room needs to go with this room, needs to go with this room, needs to go with this room for it all to come together. I just sort of go with what I gravitate towards as far as personal style and color schemes and things like that. And it works out because it's a house that's designed by me all on points and sort of, you know, in line with the things that I'm drawn to and the colors that I'm drawn to. So each room might have its own character, but they all work together in the end because they're all from me if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so while I'm sort of vaguely mindful of how all of the different things that I'm doing fit together at any given time, I also just sort of allow the process to play out. And like I said, just kind of follow my curiosity and see how it all fits together in
0: the end. Mm. Lauren, do you have a question?
1: So, yeah, I do, because I love this idea of us as the container. This is something I've been exploring quite a lot lately as like as in the domain of purpose and naming your purpose and how from the outside it can all look like disparate things. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. I am the thing that holds it together. And it sounds very similar to how you're engaging with your creativity. But I love that you're going to curiosity first. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know if you had any like projected hopes or goals for this project beyond i find this intriguing and i'm curious about where this might lead did you have a vision for where you wanted it to be or was it let the process guide you um
2: a little bit of both i think i think first it's important just i want to just touch on the first thing that you said is talking about ourselves as like a vessel or as like a, a a a way for like the creativity to pass through us or our purpose mm-hmm. to pass through us and i don't know if you've read um the creative act by rick rubin I um anybody who hasn't read it should read it immediately mm-hmm. um it is <laughs> the best thing on creativity that's come out in decades and i've read it more than once already uh, but he talks a lot about the fact that we are all creative and that the goal shouldn't be creating great art but to put yourself in a situation where the process becomes inevitable. Um, And so that's sort of the mindset that I try to actively foster at all times. And I think that following your creativity goes along with that a lot. Um, There's, there's, there's very honest and less, um, philosophical reasons for doing all of this i obviously own a candle store i am vastly familiar with the real life the realities of creating a physical product that you're creating yourself um, and the idea of exploring something like amazon kdp which is a very different way of putting a physical product into a world was really interesting to me um, and so I, I think that it's less so that i had a specific I, I think i wanted the stakes to be low on my first project In order not to put the pressure on myself and not to have the fear to put it into the world, I'm, you know, I suffer from perfectionism and Mm -hmm. and wanting to put the perfect product into the world, like a lot of us. And I think sometimes if you just like allow yourself to lower the stakes a little bit um, and just do something like I didn't want my first Amazon KDP project to be the great American novel. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I wanted to like give myself permission maybe to write the great American novel one day. And I wanted to say that's next. That's step two. there's going to be a few steps in between but point being like i i wanted to explore this world of self-publishing this world of amazon kdp and sort of all the different elements of it and the ai elements that obviously we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Mm -hmm. um and it was less that i wanted to like put this phenomenal coloring book that was going to pay my bills for the rest of my life into the world (laughs) so much as i just wanted to make something i just wanted to make something where the stakes weren't so high that i felt the need to spend a year perfecting it um and i created this beautiful thing and i've since created i have two two coloring books now um, so i've done done two of them um, wow and yeah i think i'm just sort of cr- getting myself more comfortable with the various elements of it that we'll talk about like the different steps of the process from ai to mm-hmm. the kdp publication process um, and what i can it's more to me that The first book probably took me a few weeks to make. The second book took me less than one week to make. Um, Uh And it's because you're just sort of eliminating all of the confusion in the process and that sort of uphill. So anyway, I wanted to kind of give myself a low stakes entry into this Amazon KDP world, use it as a project where I could learn a lot of other things along the way and just put it out there.
0: I think that's great. And we have some great questions that I wanted to make sure uh, because I think Ian asked a great one, but I want to, uh, Fred has a comment over on YouTube. He goes, spot on Lisa and creating doesn't only mean products, but also can mean a feeling, a community and a connection. Um, And uh, this is Chuck over on online video mastery. He goes, what's that creativity book name again that you mentioned and the author?
2: Um, It's the creative act by Rick Rubin, who is the the incredible music producer who put out some of the greatest, the greatest, you know, musical talent um in the world over many 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 decades and he put out this book called the creative act that i think when he's when he went to um write a book i think what everybody was expecting was for him to do this sort of tell-all biography because he's worked with everybody Mm -hmm. all the great names over the years Mm -hmm. um and i think everybody sort of expected him to do something a little bit more storytelling and biographical. And what he put out instead was this work of art that is, it's called the creative act. And it basically goes on the presumption that we are all creative beings. He points out that creation is creating anything that hasn't existed before. So if you're driving home from work and you take a different route, that is a creative act. If you are making dinner and you're out of one spice and you use a different one, that is a creative act. And I think like being aware of those sort of nuanced Things that we do throughout the day that are being creative that maybe we don't give ourselves permission for when we're feeling like we're not in a creative point in our lives um, helps a lot to sort of open up to bigger things.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, so now I've got to go and read that. So uh, that's your homework, everybody. Go read that book. So one (laughs) of the questions, and and this is a great question before we move on to your processes and tools, because I think that that's one of the things a lot of people are interested in. But Ian, my friend Ian asked this question. This might be a little off topic, but what are your thoughts on being creative and financially successful? Some creative people have the starving artist mindset. So what do you say to Ian?
2: So I think that, that's something that we all need to sort of train ourselves to break out of i think we all have like our built-in ways of defining ourselves and there's definitely um art and money i think are really difficult for people i think a lot of us have this mindset that if we start making money for our art um that we're no longer serving ourselves we're being untrue to our own creative process um but if you think of you know, money is just an energy that flows to you because you're putting something great out into the world. I think that we can sort of work on, I think it's just about working on that, that mental disconnect between right. being an artist and being deserving of the flow of, of abundance and the flow of of income.
0: Yeah,
2: like they're not inconsistent, But I do think that like being true to yourself through that process is a challenge.
0: Yeah, I agree. Not
2: not leaning into what your audience is asking for so much as like serving up what's true to you and then letting your audience come to you. I think that's the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So did you have a question? uh,
1: I was just going to say it sounds very like I feel like both sides are fraught, like creativity plus money mindset, like separately they're fraught. And then again, it kind of goes to that unification of like, can you become authentic in yourself and be the vessel for authenticity, and then also deal with the things that are keeping you from the creativity and keeping you from feeling like you're worthy of abundance. So like, and then they interact as well.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I think so many of us just have like, you know, mental walls and, and ingrained in us since youth and that there is an inconsistency of income and art you know, we we're, we're sort of raised on the idea of the starving artist and we feel like we're not being true to ourselves if we're making a living doing what we're doing. But you have to remind yourself that like, if you're not making money doing what you're doing, then you, you can't do much good in the world.
0: Yeah, because, that's, that's true. So, <laughs> well, so and one of the, and here's another thing, like I've, like I do wood carving and I love to do wood carving and I've played with, you know, a YouTube channel and stuff and it, it does really well, but I'm really nervous about going into that because I don't want to give that up. I don't want to make that a job. You know what I mean? Because I get joy Mm -hmm. out of it. It's one of the things I can do creative. It's off screens most of the time. Um, So what do you say about that? Were you worried like, okay, if I do this and it's a money maker, then it won't be creative or it won't be what brings me joy anymore?
2: I mean, I'm more than worried about it. I think just largely because of my background, that is my greatest personal challenge. I think because of the career path that I took in going through college and then to law school and then going into this incredibly demanding field of big law where I was billing like 125 hour weeks sometimes. Um, I am all too familiar with that. how something that you love can very quickly overtake your life, drown out everything else right, and, right. and become something that you don't love. And that's sort of why I give myself to do things that are out of the box. That's why I do give myself to do things that might surprise other people because, you know, I, I have a candle shop, but if it was all that I did, I would lose my mind. Right. Um, <laughs> and so it's a it's something that I'm constantly reevaluating as I move forward. Like, am, am I walking into a situation that was similar to what I was walking into in big law. Am I giving so much of myself to this thing that I love that I no longer love it? Am I, is it becoming something where I'm not listening to myself anymore, but more listening to what I think my audience is responding to and feeding into that because you don't want to start delivering into that machine um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i think and it's and the lowering the stakes idea too i mean if you just go live with your wood carving and just sort of do your thing and don't pay attention to how it's performing um or anything like that and kind of keep yourself on a schedule where okay i'm going to do this for 25 minutes every friday afternoon right. um you know so you're not like oh my god they're liking it i need to do it more i need to do it right. more like it's you exactly. like your job and you're not yeah. you know you know, right. having lunch with your kids because it's wood
0: carving. Right. Time. <laughs> yeah. But My friend Peg Fitzpatrick calls that feeding the content monster. So, yeah. uh, which is, which can be easily to do. So let's, let's go and walk through this um, because this will probably take us the bulk of the time and I'll make sure we talk about it, but let's talk about your process and tools for, um, you know, from creating this coloring book from start to finish. Like give us your, like how it started, like, because I don't even know the process of it. You like, I mean, I know you had chat GPT got in there, some mid journey got in there. So to kind of just do an overview of how kind of it, it went, the process. So
2: obviously there was a lot of sort of playing around and figuring out the tools and going back and forth, but I'll just sort of give you a practical sure. chronology of how, how I went about um, doing it. And so starting, so the, the first coloring book that I did, the theme was um, beautiful sort of property lust worthy homes. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was thinking of something that like adults would, you know, want to spend their time coloring in and have a little bit of fun with. And then on the back of the page, there's an evaluation point where you can talk about, you know, your property loss level and your mindset change throughout. (laughs) Um, So, you know, once I came up with this topic, um, and we can go back to how I did that, but I went into Chat GPT and I was just trying to think of like different kinds of homes around the world. So I went into chat GPT and I just said, you know, I, and I always set the stage initially in a ChatBT chat so that we can use the thread continuously and mm-hmm. the tone and everything works. So set the stage. Initially, I said, I'm creating an adult coloring book. These are my goals with it. This is sort of the vibe that I want. This is who I, I want my audience to be. And the theme of it is going to be beautiful homes throughout the world. Can you write me? A list of 75 types of homes mm-hmm. and so it whips out a list of 75 types of homes um i soon realized that when i was moving into my art creation i sometimes needed a little bit more description of say what a bungalow is mm-hmm. so i then asked chat bgpt to add I, to put it into a, a, a table which it did for me and alphabetize it and then i said to ChatGPT, can you add two more columns to this table the first column is going to be a description of the sort of home so a very clearly worded description of what this home is. So for example, a Tudor is a home with wood beams and a steep thatched roof, that kind of thing. Um, and then the third column was where these sorts of homes tend to be. So, you know, a beach house on the beach, you know, a mm-hmm. log cabin in the mountains, um, obviously it got a lot more complicated than that. And so I had that language and those tools and that list to, to use as a starting point. And then I went into mid journey which is an incredible art creation tool. There's Dali, there's Stable Diffusion, um, and then there's the Discord-based models. There's Blue Willow in Discord. My favorite far and away is Midjourney, which is also Discord-based. Um, and in Midjourney, you can you prompt basically with words to create images. So this is part of why it's my wheelhouse, and I love it. I'm very good at words. Um, I think... <laughs> Lawyering transfers into prompt engineer very, very easily. Um, <laughs> right. A lot of us go that route because being good with words and being able to take something that is um, very theoretical and put it into words is something that lawyers are very well-trained in doing. So I think we tend to be very good at prompting. Um, and so in mid-journey um, chat GPT is very sort of natural language based. Mid-journey feels a little bit more like you're writing code, but you get a feel for it and you would, go into Midjourney. you describe your style. So I might say, you know, I'm, this is simplifying it, but saying, you know, I would like an adult coloring book page that is all line art, black lines on a white background. Mm -hmm. And then I use what I generated in chat GPT of a bungalow, which is a, you know, house with beams and thatched roofs and a beautiful garden in the front yard set in the English countryside. And then I, you know, use my, aspect ratio that I'm going to need for the coloring book, which is, I think, three to four, um, and whip it out. And then Mid-Journey will put out four different images based on the description that you've used. And based on those four images, you have the option to take one of those images and spin it off into four more images based on it, or you can upscale one of those images. Um, And so you can go through that process, create all of your different artwork. Um, That's obviously the most time-consuming part of the whole process, but it's a lot of fun. And then once you're done and you've got your images, Um, you can take those images into something like Lightroom. This isn't necessary, but I pull them into Lightroom, clean them up a little bit, pull out all the saturation so that I really am just dealing with black and white, that kind of thing. Um, And then I pull them into something called Topaz AI, which is, there's a bunch of them. I feel like you hear the most about Topaz these days, and I've been very, very happy with it. It's an incredibly powerful image upscaler, and um, it gets rid of noise, it gets rid of blur. Um, there's still, I'm, I'm a photographer at heart. And so I'm, I, I, there's nothing like taking the picture in the moment correctly. Um, but it is a great tool. I've used it for some old pictures too, of like my dad and I from 20 years ago, um, you're able to put these tools in and, and it will facial recognize, it will upscale. it, It basically like will create a much more refined image so it's for um,
0: photographers and, then topaz is because i'm not from
2: topaz is mainly for photography to, okay. yes topaz okay. is photographers and i know about it through my photography but it was extremely useful here because once i had my mid-journey image and i cleaned it up a little bit in Lightroom and fully desaturated it i then just pulled it into topaz and upscaled it massively so that when i put it into the coloring book i wouldn't have any pixelation issues nice. um So Topaz does cost money, but it's a flat fee. And I don't know about you, but every time I see a flat fee these days, I'm ecstatic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you need to get it before they change it to like subscription model is what you need. to (laughs) do.
2: I think it's like, you know, in the 150 range, Mm -hmm. um, but it's something that you can sort of make up um, relatively quickly. Um, And then after I finished in Topaz and I had my final images, um, I then went into Canva. And I use Canva to create two different files. First of all, the internal document, which is just Mm -hmm. dropping all of the images into a PDF file that you can create in Canva altogether. And then you do the cover art separately. So Amazon KDP will give you a template for your cover. Once you fix your size and set everything in Amazon KDP, you can download a template for the cover, which you can then pull into Canva and use that to create your cover. So you've got two files from Canva, you've got your cover art using the template from Amazon KDP, and then you've got your internal file. And then you can take all of that over to Amazon, Amazon KDP, um, and upload your, your files and, and all that good stuff. And then you populate it with things like a description, and that's where um, the Publisher Rocket tool comes in. That's another one that is for a flat fee. You can get it on sale, I think, sometimes. I think I paid about $150 for it, again. Um, but Publisher Rocket is a very, very cool tool where you can put in keywords, and it will generate a list for you of, of it does, does this for Product categories and keywords. Right. And it, it'll generate for you um, a line, like a, a bunch of different keyword options from what you've put in. And it'll go across the list and give you information like how many searches a month there are for that particular keyword, mm-hmm. what the average profits are for the top five people um, that are selling in that oh, category, right. um, and things like that. So you can kind of take your keywords and zone in on areas where there's lower competition but higher turnover um, and Mm. and higher sales rates. So for example, um, you know, the the second one that I did, I did the property one first. And then the second one that I did is this one, which is called Peaceful Escapes. Um, And it's because I was able to find on Publisher Rocket once I did my first go around that um, landscapes was a really, really under saturated, but well-performing area. Um, on Amazon so the second book that I did was Peaceful Escapes based on landscapes and that's been doing very very well because I was able to use Publisher Rocket first this time instead sort of
0: so build I'm my ass- categories based on that I'm assuming the first one did well enough because if it bombed you wouldn't have gone like oh I'll make another one so the first one sold enough that you were like okay this is something I'm gonna do the second book and you did it in a week is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, it was less than less than a week. The, the process becomes very, very quick once you're comfortable with it. Um, and all the sort of nicks and the challenges along the way get figured out in that first round. Um, yeah, the first one took me a few weeks. Um, and then the second one only took me took me the week to to put together. I forget the rest of your question. <laughs> no, I,
0: as I, I, I said I, I assumed it went well like it. I mean, yes, you yeah. paid for so, your tools that you were using and you said, OK, I, that can this can make some money kind of a thing.
2: So there's, I mean, there's two things here. There's first of all, like, I like, I I have this thing where I have a a hard time not being productive. And um, this is something that I can literally do for enjoyment in my downtime. So if I want an evening, like just on my couch, chilling, like maybe half watching TV, messing around on my computer, like I can produce one of these in a couple of days. Um, So it, it it's relaxing enough for me that i think i'd be putting the time in and trying to get some inventory into amazon even if i didn't have big success um with the first one um i am lucky in that i have some platforms where i was able to get the word out um Mm -hmm. very quickly um and and do very well i think it was like the the first book was like number eight in its category in the first few days um which was awesome
0: fred has a great question fred has a great question he goes uh do you do you do all the books get, do the, all the books get sold directly via Amazon or can you have inventory on hand? Like do you have-
2: Everything, I mean, I mean, I guess you could have inventory on hand. And when you go through Amazon KDP there, you do have the ability, although you shouldn't abuse it, to buy um, publisher copies mm-hmm. for basically at cost. Um, so you can have some on hand and I do have some on hand just like for you know, people right. passing through the house where right. I think it might be appropriate or I wanna like bring it to an event to show somebody. Um, but yeah, everything is basically otherwise through Amazon KDP. It's So KDP is print on demand. Um, so when somebody places an order through Amazon for a KDP product, it's literally printed real time um, and shipped out. So you don't have to do it's, it. The other reason this appeals to me and I, uh, you know, you see these candles behind me. These are the opposite of passive income. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Um, yes. I get and it.
2: that's the thing with Amazon KDP and why I think it's worthwhile. Like even if you don't come in with a big audience, even if you aren't able to like get the first one to be a huge seller and make a ton of money off of it, if it's a, if it's something that you enjoy doing anyway, like I like doing this. I enjoy right. it. I enjoy doing this as much as I enjoy watching television. And so, you know, if I can, create one of these and drop it into amazon kdp and have you know say it's 50 dollars worth of passive income for the rest of your life for every month i mean was that worth your weekend yeah Yeah. it was very much worth your weekend um it's really really worth your weekend if you've got 20 of them in the amazon system um and so because of the nature i think that's what drew me to kdp like after my experience with the polar opposite of a product where you're real time making it like in your home and storing it in your home the idea of something where Amazon was printing it real time and creating it for you and you don't have to hold the inventory in your home, you don't have to pay for product, Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay vendors, Um, is very appealing. So, So I would definitely run with this even if you didn't have success in the first one, if it's something you enjoy doing.
0: So Paul says, yes, he keeps them on hand and sells them in his Shopify store. So, like, uh, yeah, he does the same thing. So this is fascinating to me because I do the influencer side of Amazon. I know a lot of people like the Dealcasters and Chris Stone and Jim Fuse who are here uh, do the same thing. And what you were saying about having, you know, it doesn't look like a lot of money when you're first going. But when you start having those things that come every day and continue to make you money long term, it's like investing, right? It's like, yes. you know, it's exactly like percent. investing. So
2: a this, it's a, it's an investment in fast, passive income for the future.
0: This is fascinating to me. So, and I know a lot of people are, I've seen in the comments, the same thing. Um, what can you sell it on Barnes and Noble or is it just for Amazon?
2: So. So Amazon does have third party, and there's probably people in the chat like Paul who can speak to this better than I can because I'm pretty new to it, but Mm -hmm. there are third party seller options when you're in Amazon. Um, and they give you the price breakdown for those as well. The profit margin is obviously a little bit lower, but they do tell you. Um, so you can set up for third-party sellers. I don't know if Barnes & Noble is necessarily on that list. There are other self-publishing companies. I think there's one called Lulu where mm-hmm. you can literally like create a listing and put it as a listing in on your website. And you can put it on Amazon and you can put it on – you can – you can create the book and then have it be sold in various places. So it's not, Lulu isn't the seller, they're more like a print on demand kind of company. Right. Um, but I, I just didn't feel the level of trust um, going into that as I would with Amazon. So, uh, and again, like the purely passive aspect of this is exactly. one of the things yeah. that really appeals to me. So while in the future, especially if I write other sorts of books that are more on point with some of the other things that I do, I plan to have inventory on hand that I can sell. But part of the appeal is the fact that you don't need to. Yeah,
0: yeah. Paul, uh, uh, all the uh, influencers, the Amazon influencers in here, we need to get Lisa's book, which I have ordered. It just didn't come here in time. I uh, probably they saw it with me and they printed slowly, the, but we should do reviews for her on there We're with our video reviews, and and it's it's a, a best for both worlds. So, And Paul goes, yes, he uses uh, KDP to publish uh, lots of other places as well, including Barnes & Noble. And Lou's making fun of me that I said Barnes & Noble. He says I'm like 79 years old. It's still around. They're still there. It is.
1: You yeah. didn't say borders.
0: Yeah, and I didn't say the Dewey Decimal System either. Remember that? <laughs> Schoolhouse Rocks. Did you have? Uh, I could hear the gears going from here, Lauren. What? I know you have some questions, so I'll let you go.
1: Uh, no, it's it's just fascinating to hear how refined the process is now. Like, where you're like, oh, and I went to this tool and I did this, and like, I can, I can imagine just yeah. the difference between the first round. And the the second one, like the the shortened timeline, I think just brings up a really interesting point around creativity, of Mm -hmm. like that learning curve is so enticing, and then you do the next one and like it's smoother. Um, For anybody who's doing this, like, is are there lessons you think that you could take away from this for someone who wants to do something maybe in a slightly different domain, but they want to leverage AI tools, you know. How, how, where did you go to, to learn this? Or was the, did you mm-hmm. bring your own sort of understanding from photography and sort of just transpose that to a slightly different domain? Like how do we, it, let, I'll get to a question here, I promise. How do we-
0: It's so fascinating. <laughs> there's so many, yeah.
1: The, the, I yeah, There's not so short like, question. How, how do you keep going like when you're in the stuck place? Cause I have to imagine there was a stuck place in the first round of building this.
2: I mean, there were a lot of stuck places and God bless YouTube, you know, and and and, and all the other wonderful sources of information. You know, when you're do- there's so much out there on A.I. right now, like everybody is talking about it nonstop.
1: There's almost too much to learn. Well, there's far more. Is than there good stuff out there about A.I.? Because that's my hang up. Right. Like I'm like, it's so new. It's the blind leading the blind in some cases.
2: I don't think it's the No, I don't think it's the blind leading the blind in the slightest. Um, no, no. Okay. I mean, I, I think like. There, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and list YouTube accounts, but I'd be happy to right, provide yeah. them. I'll, yeah. I'll stream later. Um, but no, I mean, there, there are some wonderful, wonderful teachers out there. And just, you know, take the time to go down that rabbit hole. Like, find somebody who interests you who's saying smart things. And he's going to mention, like, three other names while he's talking. Go look up those people and watch everything that they're doing, too. Um, and mm-hmm. there's some really, really amazing names in the AI world that have sort of become the newsmakers right. in the space and that are doing sort of weekly shows and you can kind of use those as a starting point to find different tools. I mean, I know, I know I spent a lot of time on Dali and um, with Blue Willow before I made the leap to mid journey because those two weren't working as well for me. And it's by sort of just being tuned into the world of what people are talking about that I made my way from one to the next, to the next, because I feel like for a while, all everybody was talking about was Dali. Right. Um, which I, I don't personally... I mean, it's cool. It was incredibly cool when it first came out, but it's more like creating an incredible oil painting that like right. looks like it might have been done by Basquiat than, like, than doing something more so practical.
0: Let's talk about these image creation tools because a lot of people know about ChatGPT, but a lot of people don't know about MidJourney. And I agree mm-hmm. with you. MidJourney, I've been using it for my blog posts. I've been using it for all sorts of things. I think it's the best one out there. The big hiccup for people is that it's a Discord-based, and you have to kind of learn Discord, which is not that scary. I've done, you know, things with it with, uh, with MidJourney. I think it's great. Um, but learning the prompts, and what I learned, and it was one of those YouTube channels that I think you mentioned, was mm-hmm. that I used ChatGPT to create my prompts for MidJourney. Um, because I don't know enough about photography. Like, you know, all the lenses and the f-stops and blah da 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 And I don't. And so I could say, hey, create this. And I say, use Zeiss lenses to do this. And it, it shot my, my mid-journey um, prompts to the moon. They look incredible mm-hmm. now. Uh, so let's talk about, like, YouTube channels and then learning how to prompt correctly. I think that's the big thing. and And using them together, like using, you know... Yeah. Those, I mean, go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, sorry. no. So I, I think, um, I think the obviously, you know, watching, watching tutorials on YouTube and mm-hmm. things like that is incredibly useful. But I think, first of all, I'll say that, like, I had never used Discord. Like, I had mm-hmm. gone to use Discord before. Like, I have, you know, lots of people in my life that have, you know, things on Discord. What do you call it? A Discord. of right. Like, a, right, or, was, yeah. I'm, I'm showing how much I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I, like, people have said to me, oh, I have a Discord. You should come join and check it out. Right. And I'll like, go into Discord. And I'm like, oh, no, that's that's right. it's scary. Very, yeah. very old school and very scary at the same time. Um, so I have never used Discord um, before this. And I literally went to a YouTube account where they were like, okay, first you create your little Discord account, and then you find the the majority bot, and then you create your own little room, and you invite the bot in. Um, so you can do some private work in the <laughs> by, by inviting the bot in, but, um, but all of that being said, I think even beyond watching YouTube tutorials, the best thing you can do on YouTube is watch other people work. And that's right. the really cool thing about the way discord works is that you can work privately with a mid journey bot. Like I've created my mm-hmm. own yeah. server and invited the bot in, and that's what I do it with. But I force myself to go back to those newbie rooms. Cause when you first join, when you go into the, the actual mid journey, server, there's a list of, there's newbie rooms and that's, mm-hmm. I think they're called newbie rooms. You right. literally click on one of those and it's just this chaos because it's just millions of like lots and lots and lots you of You learn from prompts doing, is what you do. Doing yeah. the same exact thing that you're doing. And it's like real time, the screen is flying up and you're seeing a prompt and what it generated and you'll see stuff you like. Right. And just make note of it. And it's you're, don't steal the person's prompt, but you can say like, oh, this person made reference to this photographer that turned out really cool. Oh, wait, this term used this article used the term like linear graphic art and it came out really, really cool. Um, so you can be in those newbie rooms real time and seeing what other people are doing and get inspired by that. And then the other thing that you can do that's super useful is MidJourney is on Discord, but they also have their own site and all of your own images are stored mm-hmm. there. So if you go into mid Journey and you log in as yourself and you look at your own um, catalog of created images, right. if you click on one of your upscaled images, one of the options that you have is to see similar generated images. Mm-hmm. So you can click on that and look at similar generated images. That's useful and necessary, first of all, to make sure you're not copying anyone else unintentionally. Right. Um, but the other reason that's really cool is that you can see what those prompts were. Yeah. So, if you're trying to create an image of a beautiful like line art drawing of the, an English bungalow in the a bungalow in the English countryside, right. and it pulls up everything it's done that's similar to that, you can say, "Oh, this person used reference to this." Oh, this person thought to use the word grayscale. That was really helpful in keeping it monotone. That you see the things that people are doing and learn from that. So. You know, you don't want your prompts to end up being six pages long or not. And you don't want to copy language that you don't understand or that doesn't necessarily apply. But you pick up these little phrases along the way that become a part of, you know, your form of prompt. Like if you're doing something like a coloring book, one of the things that's cool is that the only thing that really needs to change sometimes, even though you play with other stuff, is this description of the image. But like the style that you want to use and like the vibe of it and that you want it to feel cozy or you want it to be grayscale or all that stuff stays the same if you're creating something like a coloring book. So you can sort of slowly create your like perfect prompt that's going to be developed real-time, obviously, for specific images, but sort of your your go-to prompt, you can develop it over time, not by just looking at YouTube, but by seeing what other people are doing in the server. And that's part of what I love so much about Discord is that it's sort of that hive mind. We'll get more into this, but it's sort of that right. hive mind nature of art creation.
0: So let's talk about that because there's a lot of people <laughs> in the comments who are like um, – mm-hmm. This is what stopped me. This is Quilling Fun says, stopped me from looking at journey, the Discord aspect of it. I had the same reaction you did. I did too. So I thought it was like, I thought it was slack for gamers for a long time. Uh, yeah. But, and once again, a little side note to the people who sponsored the show, the amazing people at Ecamm, they have one of the best communities I've seen around a company and a product. And I mean, just go in there and look how they take care of their community, but they have gone over to discord and it's amazing. It's an amazing community. Um, uh, Mark Schaefer, he, his rise community is over there on discord. Incredible, incredible one. I've actually started mine over there as well because of the aspect of it. And there's a reason why there are million and million and million discord servers. Yes, they were for gamers and a lot of them use that, but it's in the culture now and I'm an old fuddy duddy and I don't want to, I want to know what's going on. So that's why I wanted to do it as well, but it's worth going in and checking out uh, because it's, the stuff you can do in Midjourney is really, really amazing. One of the things that I will say, Lisa, that I did not do. I, so I pay for the Midjourney service and I pay for it because I, I use the stealth feature. I don't want my stuff. Cause I could go to your website. I believe your mid journey site and see all your images that you're creating and I don't want that well Well, I use stealth stealth because I pay for it because I don't want anybody to see it they can't come see mine
2: so I I pay for mid-journey as as well obviously I mean you can't not you can't get you can't I mean (laughs) yeah Yeah, I think I I think the base is still ten dollars a month and you really can't yeah it used to be that like you kind of had access to the server based on usage and it wasn't mm-hmm. like that busy. So you can kind of get away with the the freemium or the free the free usage. Um, it kind of got to the point pretty quickly just because it is so useful that if you're not paying the base of 10 bucks then per month, then it's not really. Um,
0: but I use the command really slash.
2: But I think I think it's like 30 a month or something for the amount of time that I use.
0: I liked your idea about going in and seeing what other people were doing and make sure you weren't copying anybody, but I use the command slash, um, uh, stealth. So, so my images don't go up to any place where anybody can see it. So, so I
2: actually have, you can also create your own server and invite the bot. Yeah, that's I mean, what I've done. this all sounds very intimidating. I'm going to reiterate, <laughs> I don't use discord other than for this specific purpose. <laughs> right, right. Um, so don't, and everything that Jeff is saying is real and true and very, but don't feel like, you're like having to open the door to being like right.
0: a, person. a nerd like
2: I literally don't be like the Joe. for the purpose of using the majority bot. And it's just a communication tool for that. Um, but yeah, so you can do the stealth mode if you're paid. Um, but then also I just created my own and invited the bot into it. And so you don't have that sort of chaos of everybody creating the images and like not being able to keep up with where yours is landing in the screen and having to go into like your message box to mm-hmm. see your images. So, I do force myself, like I was saying to not force myself. I do go into the main um, mid journey server and use right. and, and work in those newbie rooms sometimes just to see what the language people are using is. But then most of the time I'm working in my own yeah. area. Yeah.
0: So slash slash room says slash. Jeff does look like an average discord mod. Thank you for, <laughs> for that. Uh, Lauren, do you have any questions?
1: No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking about how we live in the future and you're inviting bots into your room. Like, that's weird. And <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a little overwhelming, I think. Like, I used Discord back in the day for gaming. Um, and so I know you can type messages into it. But this is next level. So- and there's, there's two lines that you hear all the time,
2: right, with, with AI. First of all, is that it's the worst it's ever going to be. So, like, <laughs> learn it now and try to keep up. And also, right. like, keep in mind that, like, the thing that, like, was in the top ten percent of the, so, ChatGPT 3.5 scored in the bottom ten percent on the bar exam, the the standardized bar, and ChatGPT four scored in the top ten percent of the yeah. bar exam. So that's how quickly, just in the course of like two months, that we upscaled AI
1: our is insane. And, yeah,
0: it's yeah. it's amazing. So, this is a great question, and I I, I almost wanted to talk about this, but this is a uh, quilling fund says um question for later as a former laureate what do you think about the questions of the legality of AI art and its usage of actual artist art as a reference. So this is really pertinent because uh, Secret Wars Secret Invasion launched this week and we're all Disney fans. Most of us are Marvel fans too. Um and they got a bunch of flack because the opening title of that was created with AI. And a lot of people are mad at Disney and Marvel for doing this, but they have come back. And even it was in variety today. I think that they said, listen, we, the, we, the artists use this because it was a certain look. They used it as a tool. Um, so we have this really flashpoint kind of everybody's you know worried about their jobs being taken away by AI or, you know, it's stealing from artists. You know, I like what their response was is we use this as a tool. Everybody was still employed. We didn't fire anybody to do this we use it as a tool because it had the look that we wanted to, to do. So Lisa, what are your thoughts? Uh, I know you're a former lawyer, but uh, I would love to know what you think about all this.
2: Yeah. So I'll start by saying, I think that the truism is very correct that it, it, AI is not going to take your job, but people who can use AI are going to take your job.
0: Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, that's really good. And,
2: and, 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 it's absolutely true. It's, it's like, you know, when we grew up, everybody was saying, Oh, you, you need to learn this, the minutia of math, um because you're never going to have a calculator in your pocket well we do have a calculator in our pocket now and I I liken that the way that we used to the way that people used to talk to us about the calculator and it's there are still mathematicians right there are still mathematicians what we've done is get rid of the rote we get rid of the rote work and we we are able to concentrate on just the areas where we create we contribute creatively and so I may not want to do my own you know, multiplication, but if I'm a mathematician, I might want to develop a new theory. And then this tool is making it so that I can get rid of all the mess and focus on where I can specifically contribute. Um, I think it's you know, the, same thing, the, the same thing that we're seeing in ChatGPT. And, and while I think some of the newer models, some of the older original models where you could literally like see pieces of people's art, Like, that's not okay. Like, we we can't do that. We need to be giving credit where credit is due. Um, But at the same time, I think that we're sort of reframing art in a way where, yes, there's absolute value and incredible value in the artist creating the art in the old fashioned way. So that and, and that sort of communication and connection that you get in connecting with an artist who's created something. But I think the AI is interesting because it's more art as a response. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I didn't create the art. I'm more as the creator of it in words. I'm responding to it and reacting to it with you, with the rest of you. And so it's I think our humanity starts to be in the way that we're responding to the art and not the fact that we're creating the art. This isn't new. Right. Duchamp put like a urinal on the wall. It was ready made art, like ready made art. That's no different than this. He did not create that urinal. What he did was saw the art in it. Yeah, and I think that's what we're doing. We are reacting. We did not form the urinal from an artistic perspective, but it was for <laughs> art. Because, but, but we laugh at that. That's right. I mean, it's, it's, it's in every yeah. art course in well, the world. Is that Duchamp had ready-made art, and like, what did that mean? And we're still arguing about it. Like, mm-hmm. these are not new conversations.
0: Well, it's also like um, I, I I use this this couple of these illustrations for like I'm a woodworker and. A lot of people got upset when the CNC machines came out that could cut, you know, with a laser cut, and it took away. But now people are creating amazing works of art with wood using both hand-carved stuff and the CNC machine. Um, we also we used to have blacksmiths on every corner, right? And um, we don't have that anymore. We still have blacksmiths, but we just have really good ones that only do certain things. Um, my thing is, is like you don't have to. You have to embrace this technology. You don't have to like it but you have to embrace it. So it's just like when you go to your um, family reunion and your aunt with the mustache comes over and tries to kiss you. You may not like it, but you still have to do it, right? She's your aunt. You don't have to embrace her. You, I mean, you just have to do it. So anyway, that's my-
1: We might need to have her. a different conversation around boundaries.
0: <laughs> she started with the urinal stuff. So anyway, come on um so let's gosh we could talk about this forever but we're getting close on time i I wanted to talk about some of the stuff lisa as you you kind of did your your project about the creativity we talked about a little bit at the beginning but like now that this the first two are done is there anything that you would do differently in this this process um i mean you're always gonna have to be doing research on the new ai stuff because there's gonna be new tools that come out and make it a little bit easier but is there anything you wish you would have done differently when you started the project
2: I mean, not necessarily. Like I said, I've just been learning along the way and was purposefully using it as a learning tool and lowering the stakes. But um, I mean, I, I think sort of the order in which I do things has changed a little bit. I mean, while you don't want to sort of feed the content machine, as we were talking about mm-hmm. before, you, you still kind of want to be working in categories and doing things that people can, um, that, that people want. And so I, I now start with Publisher Rocket. Like when I told you my chronology, Publisher Rocket came at the end, but Publisher Rocket was the very first place that I went. Um, when I created my first my my second book because I was able to really really zero in on a category that was under saturated but performed very very well um, and so like coloring books that I'm working on now sort of delve into that even more they're areas that are like fun for me to create and they're sort of mid journey friendly as far as the sorts mm-hmm. of images that they are um, but you know there's certain keywords and certain categories of things like I, I don't bother unless you really really want to do it and just want to do it as a learning tool like don't waste your time on like a mandala adult coloring book project because there are tens of thousands of them in amazon system and it's going to be almost impossible for you to hit that sort of top five where you're making real money but if you're doing something like insects or um you know there, there are ways that you can like lauren i see you I, I think of you so much when i'm doing this kind of thing because the educational aspects are so real like being able to like color in the periodic table and learning yeah. elements while you're doing totally. like that sort of thing there's so many different ways that you can work educational tools into, um, into these things. But I think like starting with figuring out what categories are fun, but under saturated
0: Um, bearded men culling book. Is that a thing? We should, we should look
1: type it on in. Yeah. I need to
0: get, I need to get it.
1: Oh man, we are running
0: out of time. We've had some great, (laughs) some great comments. Lou says like Jeff, you don't have to like him, but you have to embrace him." No, no. (laughs) Stay away. Stay far away. Straining orders coming for Mr. Magello. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Lauren, do you have any other final thoughts as we go on? Cause I, this is—I mean, we could go another hour because this, yeah. this is so relevant and fascinating, and I can't wait to talk to Lisa uh, when we're at momentum um, again. I'm and, just super
1: excited to see where this goes for you next yeah. because I love that you're following your creativity. I like that you're matching data oh, and yeah. data back stuff that's like sort of pointing the needle that's very in alignment with how i think about things too and so i just love the the reminder to tap into what we truly love and what intrigues us and to continue to learn and lean into curiosity i think that's just that's the thing you can't replicate in ai Mm -hmm. you just just don't
2: be scared of it like don't don't worry that it's going to take your job like have fun with it delve into it like calculators didn't do away with mathematicians and this isn't going to do away with artists it's just a tool it's just one more way to express yourself like I might not be able to draw these things personally but I love being able to respond to them with everyone else mm-hmm. um,
0: So so I asked this question because I had uh, Dustin Stout on who has created a great AI tool called Magi, which you should look at Lisa, because it's really great because it, it kind of, um, it can save your prompts instead of leaving it somewhere else. And it's really Mm -hmm. cool the way it ties in. Uh, But we talked about this because he's a blogger. He started as a blogger and I'm worried. I said, are you worried about, you know, AI scraping your content? And I posted this, I did a reel with that, him answering that question, like he's not really worried about it. And a a recipe, uh, a food blogger, came on and give me this really long comment. She goes, they're already scraping my sites, my content. And recipes you can't copyright anyway, so it's the stuff that you write beforehand that kind of pu- pushes you out there. So is there any thoughts about that where, you, I mean, she was really it was really bothering her that it was happening because she was having her stuff get ripped off and AI is scraping her recipes to use somewhere else. So what do you tell people like that? I'm sorry I put you on the spot, but I, it just, this was something that just happened recently.
2: You're fine. I, I, I think, um, you know, just keep innovating and don't worry about people using your work. I mean, Picasso said, right? Picasso said, bad artists copy, great artists steal. Right. Right. And I, I think it all just goes down to that. Like, don't, if, if somebody's using your stuff, then great. But I also think that we need to think a little bit about the sorts of content that we create and what's valuable in this very changing world. Like, how useful is a short blog post? Um, on a you know a Googleable topic, useful in a world where if I type a question into Google, it's literally generating, effectively a blog post in response, like in the right panel of my screen. Mm-hmm. And so, what's going to become so much more valuable is taking the time to compile useful information for specific groups of people. So they're not having to create the wheel on chat GPT using your own opinion, using your own voice, obviously like authenticity. If you think authenticity was important the last decade, like you don't have, you have no idea what's coming because it's all that's left.
0: Right. And that's why I love my video in a
2: world where a computer can write a practical blog post on any subject in the world. Like your value is your humanity. Like the five-legged goat on the wall of the contemporary, like that's our life now, (laughs) like the imperfections and like the things that make it real. Mm. Like, that's the beauty of all of this. Like, that's why this is so cool. Like, nobody's going to steal your humanity from you. We're just giving you tools to like cut the riffraff out of the stuff that you might not be as good at or that you might not want to spend your time doing. Like, I don't want to spend my time multiplying. And so I use a calculator that's that, that's okay that's fine that's i'm still me
0: <laughs> see this is why we love lisa and having her on the show lisa i want to I give plenty of time for you to say where they can find you where they can find your coloring books like what they need to search for on amazon and i would i would consider it a personal favor for anybody watching the show if they would go get her books and give her a great rating and review on amazon because that is super important but uh go ahead lisa tell them where you can they can find you
2: um, yeah, so as usual, my site is thecastlerun.com, like you said, where we document this crazy journey that we've taken from like Wall Street to Disney World and kind of rewriting this life that speaks to us. Core Memory Candles is my candle line. Um, but over on Amazon, you can find anything that I do just by searching my name, Lisa Dinoto Glasner, D-I-N-O-T-O, Glasner, like a glass of milk, N-E-R, and that'll bring up any books that I put out. So right now I have um, the, the property book, Property Lust, and then Peaceful Escapes is the landscaped one.
0: Awesome. Uh, our friend Lou Mijello says he is heading over <laughs> to Walden Books. Oh, I used to go there all the time. That's how much a nerd a I was uh, at the mall to find her books. So good luck with that. Hope he can find them all, by the way. Um, so he's getting old, his eyesight. Um, so, Lauren, Gadjuli, where can we find out more about you and all the cool stuff you got going on?
1: so yeah laurencadjuli.com is is the home base i talk a lot about uh seo and also finding your purpose very related um so if you're curious about uh the stuff i do come on over
0: awesome and i am jeff c and you can find me at jeffc.com but i'm getting ready to launch a Descript course, which is another AI thing that I use all the time, and they're getting amazing. If you see any of the repurposed reels or anything that I'm doing, I'm using Descript, so if you're interested in that, you can go to I believe, yeah, it's JeffC. Where is it? Um, it's Descript101, so JeffC.com forward slash Descript101. You can find out more about that course that is launching soon, as well as make sure you check out our friends over at Ecamm. You can find out more about them at SocialMeNewsLive.com forward slash ecam they also have a new show that you need to check out over on their channel youtube channel and with that thank you guys for being here thank you for being on the show thank you chuck and sue and fred and i guess lou too all you folks who came and stopped by left great comments we appreciate you and we will see you guys next time bye everybody social media news live